0: This is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 88, Q&A, Part 1. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive, I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a Certified Life Coach and Speech-Language Pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello everybody, how are you doing? I thought today I would use this episode. To answer some questions that people have sent me in various shapes and forms. And as I was starting to record, I realized, oh my gosh, there are so many questions. So I'm actually going to do a part one and part two. So part one is today and part two will be next week. And these are questions that have come in, whether they're just like by an email from a podcast listener or just somebody that knows me, or a client. So sometimes these are questions that come up in my client sessions. And I just felt that it would be helpful because usually if one person has a question or I start hearing the question multiple times, a few other people have the same question too. And I find we learn so much from other people asking questions And we can take advantage of the way they are asking it and expressing it. And sometimes it resonates with us. And that is one of the reasons that I am also offering an amazing opportunity in my group coaching program that is coming up. This is coming up this September. So just in a couple of weeks, it's my beta test group. So you're going to have a chance to experience all the coaching and learning and growing and changing your life for a much lower financial investment. And I have to say there's something really special about being part of a group. I've participated in quite a few groups over the years and I actually think it's where I've made the most growth because I learn from people asking questions. Sometimes questions that I didn't even think I needed answers to. I benefit from other people's experiences. I love feeling connected, that I'm not alone, that others are experiencing the same thing. So if you are curious about coaching and you want to be able to sit down on New Year's Eve this year, celebrating all the growth you've made in like the last quarter of the year, then check it out. There are some pretty awesome bonuses too if you sign up by September 1st or if you refer a friend who signs up, you get an incredible incentive. So please reach out and I can give you more information. You can just DM me or email me at Leah Davidson Life Coaching or on Instagram, Facebook, I'm at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. Now for this beta group, I'm keeping it for women only. However, if you are a gentleman who would be interested, then also reach out to me and let me know because if there's enough interest, I may consider running another group. But for this time only, sorry, I am doing ladies only. So let's dive into some of the questions that people have submitted. So a common one is, I feel like I'm doing all the right things to feel better and it's just not working. I'm not feeling better. What can I do differently? One of the main tools I teach my clients is called the model, and you can listen back to it on episode eight, and it is called the equation of life. And in that model, I teach you that your actions are fueled by your feelings and your feelings are created by your thoughts. So essentially, your mindset is directly tied to your actions and the subsequent results in your life. Now, we can do things by sheer willpower. We can sometimes get a lot done by like willpower and grit, but willpower is actually very limited. Now, if our thoughts and feelings are not in line with our actions, then we can run out of steam and we can quickly become overwhelmed. So when you see things are not turning out as you want or you are running out of steam, doing things, then chances are you're not in alignment, meaning your thoughts and your feelings and your actions are not lining up. The place we need to look is actually at your thoughts, not your actions. We often think we need to be doing more or doing something different or better, but often we need to be cleaning up our thinking or even before our thinking. I do a lot of work with people around their nervous system because I believe that is the fundamental base for everything. Understanding how your nervous system works is key and understanding the ability to regulate yourself is also absolutely key. So if you're feeling stuck in like a suboptimal zone, it could be related to your nervous system. It's a little too much to get in here. I really do need to do a couple of podcast episodes about the nervous system. It's something that I dive deep into with my group and with my clients. But I do want to plant the seed with you that sometimes it's not what you're doing. Sometimes it's not even what you're thinking. Sometimes it's your nervous system. Now, the other thing to remember is the idea that life is 50-50. So don't automatically assume that something is wrong if you're not feeling better we are not meant to feel great all the time. Yes, there are things that can make us feel better, but the first place is to make sure we're not piling on the judgment and the guilt and the shame that, oh, I should be feeling better than I am. So we want to make sure that we remove all that judgment, we remove all that guilt, we remove all that shame, and we remember that life, is hard sometimes. It has its ups and downs. It's nothing personal. It's just the way that it is. The next place we want to look is actually our nervous system. And then after that, we want to look at our thinking. So when we think, what can I do? Often it's not in the action line that we need to start at. We need to start before that. All right. The next question that I have heard a couple times is about people feeling burnt out, exhausted, overwhelmed. This is my jam. More and more, I find I am coaching people on managing their stress and their burnout, which is, again, why I have decided to do the group program that is called Burnout to Balance. Now, it's not actually completely necessary for you to be feeling like you're in extreme burnout mode. But most people, there are elements in their life where they're feeling pretty exhausted and pretty burnt out. And that's why I get this question. That's why I created the group. So I first want to say to you, you are not alone. And that's important to know because one of the solutions for burnout is understanding that you are not alone, that you are A human who is having a very human experience, and that there's support that is needed from each other. Nothing has gone wrong if you are feeling burnt out or exhausted or overwhelmed. And I really want to keep repeating this because I think that this happens when we have an emotion. We may be having a hard time processing the emotion. And then we go and we add layers onto that emotion of guilt and shame and embarrassment for feeling that first emotion. So really don't pile up on yourself. Give yourself that self-compassion. And the easiest way to get to self-compassion is to say to yourself, what would I say to my best friend or how would I treat my best friend? So don't pile on extra emotions, be compassionate with yourself. Now, the next thing I want to remind you that overwhelm is an emotion. It's a vibration that you feel in your body. And because it's an emotion, it's a result of our thinking. Now, I know that this is a hard thing for most of us. Most of us think that we're overwhelmed by the things in our life, the situations, the circumstances, but it is actually caused by our thinking, thinking thoughts like, I can't handle it. This is too much. I'm exhausted. All these thoughts will create the feelings of overwhelm. Now, that's not to say that we don't also want to quickly go through our list of to-dos and see if there's things we can cut back on. In my group program, we talk about the ability to first manage all our stressors and then to be dealing with our thoughts about them. So you do want to go through that to-do list and see if there's things that you can cut out. But most of us end up saying, there's nothing I can cut out and I'm still overwhelmed. Well, what happens when we're overwhelmed is we tend to do one of two things. We tend to procrastinate and avoid. So just drop it, avoid it, hope it will go away. Or we go crazy and we push ourselves. We avoid self-care. We get no sleep. Or sometimes we waffle between both of these things where sometimes we avoid things and sometimes we just use like brute force, white knuckle, get ourselves through it. We always want to deal with overwhelm by first regulating the nervous system, getting to a place of calm, taking a nice deep breath to calm ourselves down. And then we're going to start looking at our thinking and thinking is that place to start because most of us, again, we're so focused on doing the action, but focusing on actions alone, as we already talked about, is not long lasting. And that's why the coaching that I end up giving to people focuses so much on regulating their nervous system and on mindset, because those are the things that are going to lead to permanent change and lasting change. But I know that's not always what people want to hear, that they just, oh, learn to regulate your nervous system and deal with your mindset. They're like, yeah, yeah, I need something else. I need some action items too. So I'll give you a couple action items as well just take the next best step that will move you forward. We often get overwhelmed because we start thinking of everything that we have to do, how much we need to do, and we start looking way, way, way into the future. We need to pull back and we need to shorten our lens. We don't need to have our whole path mapped out. We just need to know the next best step. And I've often used the analogy of a road trip. If I'm in Toronto and my goal is to get to Miami, Florida, I enter in my GPS, the destination of Miami, Florida. Now, when I get in the car, I don't get in the car and think, oh my gosh, I can't see everywhere I need to go. No, obviously not. I need to go to the next step. So it will say, go to the corner and turn left. At the stoplight, turn right. I don't panic Every single time I can't see the entire distance to Florida. Of course I can't. All I can see is the next step. So if we take that analogy and we think about what we do to ourselves when we are feeling overwhelmed, we start panicking that we can't see the entire route. Of course you can't see the entire route and we don't need to see the entire route. We need to see the next step. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, ask yourself, okay, am I overwhelmed right now because I'm trying to see the entire distance to Florida? What is the next step? What's the next block that I need to do? The smallest step and the hugest advocate in doing things in five minute increments, as you've probably heard me talk about, because to me, five minutes is manageable. Five minutes of self-care, five minutes of exercise, five minutes of cleaning up the kitchen even a five minute nap, five minutes connecting with somebody, five minutes working on my project. I just commit to getting started and doing five minutes. What happens often is I get momentum and I can do more and then that's great. And if not, I have accomplished something anyways in that five minutes and I am moving forward. So if you are feeling burned out, I want you to just try five minutes of self-care, five minutes of meditation. If you're overwhelmed, take the next smallest step and that will just get you moving forward. There's a whole episode on overwhelm, episode 26, that you can go back to. So go back and check that out. It gives lots of suggestions on what to do when you're in overwhelm. All right, the third question I'm gonna tackle is, I find myself doing things out of fear. How can I deal with fear? So I get this question in different shapes and sizes and forms. Some people will say, I am just a very fearful person, or I'm driven by fear, or I can't stand living in fear all the time. So I want you to first remember that fear is an emotion. It's normal. It's useful, but it doesn't feel very good. And remember again, our emotions are driven by our thoughts, except sometimes our thoughts are subconscious. Our thoughts are also shaped by our response, by our nervous system. So we don't always have access to our thoughts or what's driving this fear. So sometimes it will feel like the circumstances are triggering the emotion of fear. When often the circumstances, we will have a nervous system response to that subconscious thoughts. will have memories that come flooding in and that leads to our thoughts. So it could be a memory of something in the past, a trauma or something subconscious that is a trigger. And then we go into that fight flight stress response. So we perceive a threat. We have past learning. We react and we can react in fear. Now, remember the response is there to protect us. So if we wake up and we hear something like, bang in our house, or we hear someone break in, then we will likely feel fear based on thoughts surrounding somebody is broken in. And in this case, it's serving us well. And we need to go investigate and we need to go make sure that we are safe. So the first thing, if you are feeling fear is you do need to press pause and ask, okay, why am I feeling this fear? Because maybe you should feel the fear. <laughs> Maybe there's something that you need to be doing and taking care of, and you need to flee or fight. And that's why your nervous system is having that response. Now, if you dig a little bit deeper and get a little bit more curious and ask, Why am I feeling a fear? And you realize it's not because your life is in danger. Now we get to explore a bit more. The first place is you need to ask yourself the question, Okay. Am I safe? Am I empirically safe? I already checked to see that I have no danger. All right, I must be safe then. It may not feel safe. My body may not feel safe, but you're asking yourself the question, am I safe? The answer is yes. In most cases, you've dealt with the dangerous situations. There's no danger. So am I safe? The answer is yes. That answer sends the message to the brain. Okay, she's safe. She's calm. Now we're going to go play with your thoughts a little bit more. We're going to build some awareness as to what am I thinking when I feel this fear? What is the story that my brain is telling me? And I would encourage you to write these things down. And episode three and 10 talk all about awareness and how to download your thoughts. So they may be some good episodes to go check out again. Now when you're aware of what you're thinking, that doesn't mean that you're just going to switch out your thoughts to avoid fear because it's actually okay to feel fear. You may want to explore what the feeling feels like. You may want to explore what it feels like in your body. What is going on in your body? And you can go back to episode 11 and 12, and these will give you some great guidance on how to feel your feelings. You do not want your body and your brain to fear fear. You want to send a message that it is okay to let fear be there. Because we can allow fear and we can process fear, and we want to get acquainted to how fear feels in your body. You just don't want it taking control of you. You need to train your brain to just sit with the fear. So Elizabeth Gilbert, in her book, Big Magic, she gives a great analogy of fear and driving. And I shared it with you in detail in episode 78. So just not so long ago on who is in your car. But briefly, she talks about how fear can come along for a ride but it's not going to drive. It has no say on the route that we take or the snacks that you eat or the radio channel or when you take a break, but it can come and it's just come along and sit in the back seat for a ride. And it's really the same for any kind of emotion that is not a pleasant emotion. We actually want to get comfortable with feeling them and allowing them because we don't want to avoid doing things or going places because of those feelings. We don't want the negative, and I use that in quotation marks because I don't like classifying the emotions as negative or positive because really they're all just emotions. But emotions like fear or anxiety or worry or overwhelm, sometimes they feel a little bit worse. We don't want them driving our car, but it's okay if they come along in the car. We can allow ourselves to work on belief. And we can allow ourselves to work directly on processing and allowing these emotions, feeling them in our body, but it is a process. You are rewiring your brain every time that you are trying to feel it. And that is something that I work on with clients. And I see that sometimes it takes a lot of time to learn how to process emotion. And you need to be really patient and compassionate with yourself. Because changing these neural pathways, so changing what your typical response has always been, it's very slow pace that takes a lot of practice. If you feel fear is driving, the first thing to do is acknowledge that fear is in the driver's seat and to acknowledge and ask yourself, okay, is there a reason why fear needs to be here? No? Okay. So next step is, am I safe? Yeah, I'm safe. All right. Let me get curious. Why am I fearful? And am I able to just move fear to the side just a little bit, just allow it, embrace it, process it, but I don't want it driving. And then we can talk more about other thoughts that you can come up to help have a different driver. Now, the fourth question I'm going to tackle today is a question that came in about people saying, I have no motivation to do anything, and I actually struggle to get stuff done even when I start it. And they want to know how to overcome that. And firstly, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, okay, nothing's gone wrong. Everyone at some point in their life will struggle with motivation. Everyone will. Now, it's just a question of how long you stay in the struggle, to what degree of the struggle, but we don't want to layer negative, judgmental thoughts on ourselves, like, oh, there's something wrong with me. You're human. You're going to encounter these struggles. Now, motivation. Often we feel like motivation is something that we have or we don't have. But again, motivation's a feeling. And what do we know about feelings? They come from our thoughts. So feelings are what drive our actions. So we have the thought creates the feeling, the feeling fuels the action. That's all part of the model. Now, that being said, sometimes a little action can stimulate our feelings. It can make it easier to think thoughts that create feelings of motivation that just push you to do something. So I'm going to give you some ideas both ways in just a second. But the other thing I want to comment on is that motivation can be totally overrated. What happens when we have a thought like, I'm just not motivated? That creates feelings of like apathy and indifference and helplessness. And those feelings are not going to fuel you getting anything done. They will just fuel procrastination or flat out nothingness. (laughs) But if we change the thought up just a little bit to say something like, even though I'm not motivated, I just want to get this done. This is important to me. I'm just going to do a small thing and see what happens. What happens when you have thoughts like that is they often stimulate and create feelings of commitment. Now, for me, commitment is a much easier emotion for me to create by my thoughts. And guess what? When I'm committed, I get things done. So personally, I never really wait around for motivation to fall out of the sky because it just doesn't. I don't know, maybe motivation will rain in your sky and you can sit around waiting for it and get things done with motivation. But it's something that I don't find I typically get a lot of. I look to commitment to get me started on things. As I'm working and committed, often motivation finds me then. So motivation finds me working, commitment gets me working, and it's easier for me to have thoughts to create commitment. So that's the thought side of things. Now, sometimes people will say, Leah, it's really hard to think those thoughts. It's hard to come up with those thoughts. It's hard to believe those thoughts. And I get it because it's happened with me too. Sometimes what happens when we're lacking motivation is we are thinking about the entire thing we need to do. I'm not motivated to run 5K, to read a whole chapter, to write this project, to go to this activity. So our brain gets overwhelmed because what we're suggesting is just too big. So, again, like I talked about earlier, I like to break things down into the smallest step. What is the minimum amount, or I call this the minimum baseline, that I can guarantee that I will do? It could be based on five minutes. I'm going to go to the gym for five minutes. I'll read one paragraph. I'll run one block. I'll write one line. Now, the trick of this strategy is really and truly you need to pick what you will do the smallest amount that will require like the littlest effort. So it's super easy to do. It's harder to not do this thing than to do it. Now, the core of motivation to paraphrase Stephen Pressfield is at some point, the pain of not doing it becomes greater than the pain of doing it. So you pick something that is so easy to do, and then you do it. And then there's something about getting started that now starts to fuel motivation, that momentum kicks in. What happens is we start, we do what we're committed to do as a minimum, and motivation and momentum kick in. And our thoughts turn to, okay, I can do this few minutes. I can just do a few more minutes even. Now, it's great if momentum kicks in and you feel like you can do more but even if you just do that bare minimum, I want you to do that bare minimum. And when you do that bare minimum, what happens is you've changed your relationship with yourself. Instead of saying, I'm somebody who's just not motivated to do things. I never follow through. I never get things done. You can now say, I did what I said I was going to do brain. I honor my commitments and you build trust up with yourself and you keep doing it with your minimum commitment. And if momentum takes over, then great. If not, then don't underestimate the power of doing something for just five minutes. I think I've shared with you before that a couple of years ago, I committed to reading daily for my own pleasure for just five minutes, which is something that I was often squeezed in or waited until I was on vacation to do. And I just started doing five minutes a day. And at the end of the year, I ended up reading nine books that way. So don't underestimate the tiniest step. It is so, so powerful. That is what I have for you today. I hope that you found this Q&A helpful. I hope that at least you pick something up along the way. And next week, I will continue on with some of the questions that I have. In the meantime, if you do have any questions and you want me to answer them in a future Q&A, then reach out shoot me off an email Leah at Leah Davidson life coaching, or send me a message on Instagram at Facebook, Leah Davidson life coaching as well. I would love to hear from you, hear about your questions and just hear from you in general. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the building resilience podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.